Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say, we'd like to get started. I talk to you, and you talk to me. Who are you talking to at this hour? Mr. Bradley, you better start talking. Let's start the talking. I could talk all night. My mind is Jay talking. Midnight, conversing until the light. All we need is information. Now we got ourselves communication. Bradley J. Jay talking. WBZ. That's right. WBZ. What's up? Now, this is the portion of the program that lasts four hours. This is the part that's not with a guest. I, I, if, except every once in a while we get super fortunate. And we have Micah from Maine call because there's some incident or information we need concerning aviation. Micah is associated, she's a contributor with AirplaneGeeks.com, a podcast which digs way deep into the nitty-gritty of aviation. And uh, Micah has become, I guess, friend of the show whenever there's stuff going on that needs to be talked about aviation-wise. He happily calls in, and we appreciate it. Micah, how do you do? Good morning. How are you doing, Bradley? Very well. We have two very interesting aviation incidents to cover, one in Miami one in Russia. Which one would you like to do first? Well, why don't we start with Miami, since that's the one that happened first and is uh, the one uh, that probably is not as huge a deal as uh, as the one that happened today. Okay. But uh, in Miami, a, um, a charter airline that was flying, that flies regular charters for the Navy, Miami Air International, it's a charter flight, they were flying a 737-800, which was the model of the aircraft, something I always like to know anyway. And they had a runway excursion as they landed last night. Uh, and we don't know exactly the weather conditions, but there's reports that there were a lot of thunderstorms that came up. They slid off the runway and into the St. John River in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Now, it's a very, very shallow part of the river, so there wasn't any danger of the air- aircraft sinking, and everybody got out safely. Uh, there weren't any, uh, there were maybe a couple of minor injuries. I heard a couple of people were taken to the hospital, but no major issues at all. We don't know exactly why it happened. Uh, we do know that there were, like I said, some thunderstorms in the area, and that can lead to a number of different things. But the, uh, the uh, National Transportation Safety Board will investigate uh, three basic areas to find out what happened. They'll be uh, investigating the pilot performance, They'll be looking at the uh, cockpit voice recorder and listening to what the pilots are saying to each other. They'll be looking at the aircraft performance, and uh, that's the cockpit uh, data recorder to see what the aircraft was telling them. And then they'll be looking at the weather and the runway conditions to determine what's going on. Um, a couple of things we do know for sure is that uh, the, one of the, uh, the left thrust reverser on that aircraft was out, 
We don't know if that was a reason that it went uh, went off the runway or not. It could be, but we don't know for sure. What's the thrust and reverser? When an aircraft lands, a lot of times, if you, if you think about it, when you land on an aircraft, you know, the engines are really cut back, and then all of a sudden when they land, you hear the engines roar up. Yep. And when they're roaring up, what they're doing is they deploy what's known as a thrust reverser, and it opens up the jet in a way so that instead of blowing the uh, thrust backwards to push the aircraft forward, it blows the thrust forward to slow the, uh, slow the aircraft down on the runway. How does that work? They, they, they don't turn the engine around. Is there, are there deflectors that deflect the force of the... They're deflectors, yes, exactly. They're deflectors of some sort or another. That, that some of them are like clamshells, and you can see them opening in the back of the engine, and it starts pushing it forward. Some uh, another direction. But you can definitely, if you, if you watch airplanes land, you can definitely see them on, on certain aircraft, and you can certainly see them 37. I remember at least one time, maybe more than once, there was an issue with a pilot engaging or not disengaging somehow the thrust reverser on takeoff and at least one jammed right into the ground as a result of the thrust reverser. Do you remember that? I remember that happening. I can't remember where it was. I know that it was, it was a mistake because technically they're not supposed to be able to be engaged on takeoff, but uh, it happened and there, there were definitely some, some, uh, an issue. I can't remember when that was. And it's a very, very, very rare occurrence. Do you really need uh, the thrust reverser in most landings or is it? On many landings, you do. It depends on the length of the runway. It depends on the grippiness of the surface of the runway, which was an issue here because if it was, uh, if it was raining really, really hard, these particular runways weren't grooved. Some runways are, some aren't. And you've driven down roads that are grooved, and you know how, you know, when you're driving in rain, how that kind of moves the uh, moves the water away from your tires. And, yeah. And you've driven on, uh, you know, and we've all driven on roads that were wet, and you know, we've aquaplaned or hydroplaned, and the same thing can happen on an aircraft. So. You know, if the 737 is landing in, in hazardous weather and there's windshield or microburst or heavy rain and a sudden change of the wind direction could, you know, be associated with thunderstorms, it may not have gripping performance on the runway, and it could happen all of a sudden, and you, you just don't know exactly. Okay. Like said, important, no important question for me, anyway. What percent of the ceasing of forward momentum is the result of the brakes, and how much is the result of thrust reverses, and other than brakes? Because I always felt that the airplanes were so heavy that you really couldn't use brakes much to slow them down because they would either just burn out the brakes or, you know, there's not that much rubber making contact with the runway compared to the mass of that plane, at least in my un unschooled opinion. What is, how much of it's brakes and how much of it's other? Well, the 737 in particular has pretty small wheels, and, and that doesn't have the best stopping performance. So they typically use thrust reversers depending on the length of the runway. But the, the other issue with this particular accident is we don't know why, but the pilots requested a runway change at the last minute to a, a, what was a shorter runway. So we don't know exactly what was going on, and we're going to have to find that out. In terms of the percentage, it varies. I know on the 777, and this is something that fascinated me, you know, we all have, we take uh, anti-lock brakes in our cars for granted now, but they were originally developed for aircraft. And on the 777, because brakes can heat up so quickly, and uh, on an aircraft, you know, stopping from 200 miles an hour with all that weight going down to nothing, that it's electronically set that when you apply the brakes, it applies it differently to each wheel at different times to make sure it's getting the best grip at each t on each wheel as it goes so that no brake is going to overheat. I like that. 
You know, I have some specific questions. Uh, one concerns the air conditioning, etc. First, a flight, I believe, from Cuba to Miami, skidded off the runway, and I have questions. So, Micah, I heard first that there was a delay before leaving and that the air conditioner wasn't working, and I'm surprised the plane would take off without the air conditioning working. Is that standard? Uh, isn't that unhealthy? Talk about that a bit, if you would. Well, I don't know that it was necessarily unhealthy, but you also have to remember this wasn't a commercial flight. This was a charter flight chartered by the uh, by the Navy for Navy personnel along with a few civilians. Um, so it's different conditions under which they fly. So you if have different in, different rules for charter. Well, if it's a, if it's a military flight, there are different rules about it. Now, I don't know. I, I did hear that the air conditioning wasn't working and it was warm. That doesn't necessarily mean that there was uh, uh, any ventilation problems or pressurization problems. It just meant that there were cooling problems. And when you're at altitude, um, air conditioning isn't necessarily a huge deal in terms of cooling because if the air outside is so cold that you're bringing in cool air from the outside and you're going to be okay anyway, uh, compressing it so that you're at pressurization. Uh, but, I, but I don't know very much more about that. I've only uh, I've read the same things that you have on that and haven't heard much more about it. What, what I think is the more interesting point is the, uh, the last-minute change of the runways. Uh, there was a, uh, a 9,800 foot runway that uh, was limited to 7,800, rather a 9,000 foot runway limited to 7,800 feet because there was a wire barrier set up to recover uh, naval aircraft uh, if they couldn't land on a carrier during training. So that, and so it was a shortened runway by about uh, 1,100 feet. And the, uh, the, from what I gather, the pilots asked, requested to change to that runway. It could have been due to winds that they saw or felt. Uh, it could have been for a lot of reasons. They might not have read the NOTAM. Uh, all airports put out NOTAMs. It's a notice to airmen. Uh, and they might not have seen that it was, uh, that it was cut back to 1,100 feet, uh, by 1,100 feet to only 7,800 feet. So there's a lot of investigation we have to do to find out why this happened. So it's possible they thought they were working with 9,000 feet rather than 7,800, but still. That's possible. Okay. But 9,000 feet, you know, that's a little less than two miles. It shouldn't be a problem. So reports from passengers re uh, say there was a big bang, but they say they slammed down on the runway, and they were wobbling wildly right to left. And most of us only get a small taste of that. From what I understand, this opened up the overhead compartments and stuff. Yeah, and that could indicate, you know, the aquaplaning that they just didn't get a grip on the runway because of, of a lot of water on it. And that's one of the things we'll find out. That certainly is an indication of that, that it, it touches down, touches down hard, and because it doesn't get a grip, that it you know is going back and forth because the tires aren't gripping on the runway to hold it steady. I read a, an account of someone who actually opened the exit door. I'm a person that sits in the X row all the time. I'll pay the money for the exit row if I can get a cheap enough flight. A little splurge. But I, friends, I want you to know that I really study the little card. I know how to open those things. And I will if called upon to do so. So this person described himself opening it. Uh, some of the other folks were dithering. He went and did it. And he found himself out on the wing in the rain and the thunder. And he did mention that he grabbed his backpack. And I just like to go ahead and say, don't, if you ever find yourself in a situation, do not grab your backpack. Am I correct, Micah? Oh, is that a huge pet peeve of mine? 
If there's an emergency condition that requires you to exit the aircraft under emergency situations, you go out, and you go out by yourself. Don't grab anything. Whatever's in your pockets, that's fine. Whatever you're wearing, that's fine. Don't take time to put your shoes on. Don't grab your bags. Don't take anything. Not only because it's delaying you, uh, be, by doing that and could slow down your own evacuation and get you killed. But more importantly, you could be killing someone else right. by slowing yourself down. Right. And that's the big issue. And that may have had an effect on the 41 deaths that took place in the other incident that took place today. Which we'll get that's to. what I'm really afraid of. Anything else? Uh, oh, yeah, there is something else. Thunderstorms are, are dangerous, They, especially when you're trying to land. How do they decide whether or not to land in it or not? And do you think maybe since this was a military tra- military flight that they were maybe more likely to be saying, the heck with it, we'll land in a storm. Bad stuff happens in thunderstorms. It changes the, the numbers quite a lot. Can you talk about that? Thunderstorms create wind shear. And, and, and it's, it's hazardous weather, and there could be microbursts that are, or sudden bursts of, of wind that push a plane down, uh, and the heavy rain can set a, set a, set, turn an engine off. Um, and, and it can be very, very dangerous if there's really bad wind shear. The aircraft, the pilots would never have landed if that was happening and if they knew that. Just rain, that's not necessarily an issue. I think we've all landed in rain before. But heavy thunderstorms, there's all sorts of radar on the ground and in the aircraft to let them know about it. And I don't think that I don't think the pilots would have taken any chances with that because while it was a charter flight, it was not. It was not. It was owned by a commercial company, Miami Air. Um, it was not the. Uh, it was not a commercial flight that you could buy tickets on, but it was chartered by the Navy. And these are professional pilots and professional people. They only run charters, though. All uh, a lot of. Uh, I can't remember which teams it were, but a lot of professional sports teams also charter with Miami Air all the time. Uh, and then that's the uh, our own um, uh, Patriots have their own 767 aircraft that's basically a charter for their own, for themselves to fly. They're very, very safe. I wouldn't be afraid of taking a charter, but when it's a military charter, it might be under slightly different conditions than what you're used to. How do they know if there is a wind shear? You can see thunderstorms, but can you see wind shear on any sort of radar or sonar or any kind of dar? definitely yeah, there's definitely wind shear detector radar that is available that was developed in the uh, 70s, I believe. And you get that on the aircraft, and you're, you're informed of that, and you can tell when it's happening. And if you feel and if it, when it goes off, you, you push the throttles ahead, you take off, and you just go around, and you, you can always go around. That's a, a, a song that we play on the Airline Pilot Guy podcast all the time, but you never hesitate to go around. If you have any doubt, you push the throttles ahead, give them a goose, and go around. You like going you don't around, don't happens. you? Oh, I love to fly. More t- more time in the air is always better for me. <laughs> okay, and commercially speaking, is there pressure economically for flights to take off and then therefore to land sometimes when maybe they shouldn't? I don't think so. I don't think so because I don't believe that pilots are going to take any chance on that because they're flying too. They want to stay alive. And I know a lot, I'm fortunate. I've met a lot of pilots and you know, all the pilots that I've ever met are very, very safety conscious, if not for the company, if not for their passengers, then for themselves. And, uh, and I don't think there's any pressures like that to force yourself into a dangerous situation ever, at least not in the U.S. or any of the major 
airlines and, and, and the major countries on the airlines in which, you know, we normally fly. All right. So I want to get into the Russian thing, but I don't want to be interrupted talking about this very, very severe crash in Russia in a Soviet aircraft. I mean, excuse me, in a Russian aircraft. But first, since it's only four minutes, I thought I would ask if you found any great deals because you are always shopping for deals aviation-wise and you share them. Did you find any deals recently? Wow. We just found one the other day, and I can't remember the exact price, but it was Boston to Miami. What was it, $123? Is that what it was, round trip? Uh, there were new, uh, several options, but they were all under 100 a round trip, yeah. It was incredible. It was, it, was, it was low enough that it would be worth it to fly down for dinner, grab a hotel room, and fly back the next day. You know, I mean, what, what an amazing price that is, some of the deals that we found out. And what are the it restrictions is, uh, that, you know, you don't get to choose the date necessarily. You don't get to choose your seat. It's not a... You, you, it's not always perfect. You've got to look at what dates are available and go by the dates that are available. No, you're not necessarily going to choose what seat you want, and you may get assigned a middle seat, and you're not going to be able to take any baggage. But, you know, at that kind of price, okay, so, you know, you can, you can go down and, you know, pack your, carry on your cheap underwear and wear a number of coats or, you know, a couple of pair of pants or whatever, and you're all set. You know, you're there for a few days and you fly back. Or you're there, again, it was $114. I just looked it up. $114, uh, you know, two people, that's $228. If you're going out to the theater these days and you're going out for a big meal and, 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 and you're, you know, with two people, that could be three $400 right there. It almost pays. Take a flight. Get a Cuban sandwich. Come back. See Some, another place. For lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some people, the flying is the not fun part. But for you and some others, kind of me... It's part of the fun, the whole thing. I mean, yeah, it's true going through security is a bummer, but, you know, taking off is a rush. Some people, like you, consider it like a ride at an amusement park, only it, it's one that goes up and doesn't come, you know, keeps on going up. Yeah, and, and the part that we all hate, I can't stand it. I hate, I used to love going to airports, and, and growing up, when I was a kid, I would go down to Newark Airport, and I could walk down to the gates, and I could walk onto aircraft, and I could look in the cockpits. They were empty. Nobody cared. It's the way it was. And, and even it, without it, a just, ticket, you, know, you could they, just show up? On it and they Even without you. a ticket. When, when I used to fly back and forth to college, my father would be able to walk down and pick me up right at the gate, which was just great. Or when I was flying back, a friend of mine would walk me right down to the gate and drop me off. You can't do that anymore. So the fun of being at an airport is kind of gone. And yeah, that's the sad part. That's the hassle of flying. And for those who say the terrorists will never win, well, their goal is to disrupt your freedom, and so they really have already won. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, anything else? I guess that's. Oh, I would just like to register another complaint about luggage. People, that I I will say I hate it when people ignore the luggage, the carry-on baggage size size rules. And they overpack it, and they're humping these big, heavy things, 
and blocking everything, trying to stick it up in the overhead compartment. Peep. People are so inconsiderate. That's one of my main beefs with life today. They don't mind. It seems they don't mind or they're just completely ignorant that they are holding up the entire plane from boarding, holding up getting off the air on, off the ground on time, holding up potentially making the connection because sometimes it's minutes, seconds, standing there trying to stuff oversized carry-on in the, in the uh, overhead compartment. Please get your act together Walk in, throw that up there, and sit down and shut up and be aware that if you don't do that, anytime you're standing in that aisle is you're messing everybody else's life up. Anything you'd like to add to that, Micah? Yeah, you know, people are not aware that when they get on an airplane that they're in closed, tight quarters and they're sharing the space with other people. And, you know, when we don't, we're not used to sharing space with other people so much anymore. A lot of people don't take public transportation so much, but we're not used to sharing space right. or sitting side by side, even in a movie theater, you know? So we're not used to doing that, and you need to be aware Correct. of your other people. Now, a horrific crash in Russia. What can you tell us about this crash? Well, it happened uh, this afternoon our time in uh, Sheremichevo, Moscow's airport, and it was an Aeroflot uh, flight SU-1492 on its way to Murmansk, and this was a Sukhoi Superjet 100. It's a small regional jet, holds about 100 people on it. This particular flight had 78 people on it. And immediately upon takeoff, the pilot declared an emergency. We don't know what the emergency was yet, but declared an emergency and said he was coming back to the airport. When we look at it on uh, Flight Radar 24 and we watch the flight pass, we see that he did a loop and then came back, well, not, not a loop in terms of a roll or a loop, but kind of did put the airplane and flew it in a circle and then flew it again in a circle until he came back to the runway that he took off from. Upon landing, it came in very hard, and he porpoised, and we've seen uh, the videos. The videos are available online. And he came down, bounced back up, came down again, and that's when we saw a fire start. I think it was from the... Uh, uh, the uh, left engine, not 100% sure, but a fire started, and it was a huge fire. And there was a big evacuation uh, after the plane came to a stop. And unfortunately, through that fire uh, and the evacuation of the 78 people, we know right now that 41 are dead, uh, including one of the flight attendants and a couple of kids. And uh, it's very, very sad, and it's another reason when we see the, the videos of this and we see people evacuating the aircraft, they have their bags with them. There's a fire on board. They just porpoised and slid down the runway. The gear collapsed. This was a bad landing. This was a crash landing, if ever there was one. Yet people grabbed their bags to evacuate the aircraft with it. Who knows how long it took them to grab the bags? Who knows who they were blocking? And who knows if they, people that grabbed their bags were responsible for some of the dead who didn't get out in time for whatever reason. Absolutely. It's horrible. If you're ever in this situation, folks, do not even think about grabbing your bag because if it doesn't kill you doing so, you might kill somebody behind you. Okay, this plane, this type of aircraft, have they had problems with this aircraft in the past? 
It's a reasonably new aircraft design, and yes, there have been problems with it. The, uh, the Sukhoi is designed by the, the Sukhoi uh, uh, Aerospace Company, air, and made it the, uh, the, the, the Cosmolosk, uh, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, aircraft plant, but the designer is Sukhoi that makes a lot of Russian military jets, and they've been around for a long time. But yeah, there have uh, been some issues with it as it was being developed. Uh, this was uh, obviously the most recent crash, but uh, there have been, uh, there was, uh, during a demonstration flight, uh, they struck a, a, a mountain in Indonesia. Uh, that was back in 2012. Uh, there, during an autoland evaluation in uh, 2013 with a single engine and a crosswind, uh, the plane hit and slid down the runway with the gear up and uh, during an intended go-around. And, didn't quite work out really well, and there's been some indications that there's been some uh, metal fatigue in the aircraft, something you normally see in uh, in newer aircraft. Uh, there's also been some talk that uh, some of the engineers in the uh, plant that built it uh, had fake degrees and weren't really engineers. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's an aircraft that seems to have some difficulty and, uh, and isn't flown uh, by very many countries other than uh, uh, Russian and the Russian federations and, uh, and, and Aeroflot seems to use it uh, for small regional uh, flights. Okay. So the quality of the product, uh, the, both in terms of safety and, and, the, and the flying stock, is different for intercontinental, international flights and domestic flights. They really, it seems like the Russians are really bad on domestic flights, stuff that you know, nobody else will see. Am I correct? Well, you know, it's it's very strange because Sukhoi is known as, as a great aircraft designer. That you know, they're, they're, they're as big uh, in terms of military stuff as, as Boeing is here, or, or or some of the others. But this is one of their commercial products, and uh, most of Aeroflot doesn't fly uh, locally or Russian-made aircraft, other than this regional jet. Aeroflot actually has one of the, the, the newest fleets in the world, Bo mostly Boeing products. But this one uh, is just not, uh, has not held up well. We don't know very much about it just yet. Uh, it's very similar to uh, the problems we're seeing. The Chinese are building a, a new aircraft of the same size. It's the Comac C919, and they're having problems with it as well, uh, similar kinds of issues. Uh, here in the U.S., when we look at newer aircraft of this size, we're, we're seeing planes that are doing really, really well. The, uh, the Bombardier C-Series, uh, which is also now known as the Airbus 220, since there was a big fight with Boeing between Bombardier and, uh, and, uh, between Bombardier and Boeing, and uh, so Airbus decided to make that aircraft instead of in Canada, but here in the USA. And uh, Embraer, the Brazilian uh, E-Jet family, uh, the, the JetBlue flies, the, uh, the E-190s, beautiful aircraft and they're they're within the same size but but the chinese aircraft manufacturing is uh not quite up to speed just yet uh as, and not sure what's going on with with, with this particular sukhoi superjet um so, it has there's definitely been some issues with it any airline that flies internationally has to maintain a, a certain standard of of quality of the airplane and maintenance procedures correct and it if they don't fly internationally, they do not. Is that potentially something that happens here? Just a real slackness because it's domestic and no one sees? It could be. It, I, I, I can't, you know, I'm speculating, but it, it, it's possible. Uh, I, I would, uh, 
you know, be be more concerned when I'm in uh, uh, smaller uh, smaller countries that don't have the same uh, kind of uh, organizations like we do with the with the NTSB and the FAA uh, that are just flying domestically. I would be a bit more concerned with that, uh, and uh, and I would currently uh, until we see what's going on would would. I would be more concerned flying a, a Sukhoi Superjet than I would a, uh, um, a 737 MAX when it comes back into service. If you get into a Sukhoi Superjet, do you notice a difference? Do you, would one say, oh, wow, this is different. The seats are different. Uh, is there a general configuration difference or materials difference? Floors, no, if you're not quality? A, if you're not a geek like me, if, if you're not a geek like me, you wouldn't even notice it. It would be just another regional jet to you. It would be very comfortable. It would, yeah, I think, believe it's uh, five abreast, three on one side, two on the other, and, uh, and and you probably wouldn't even recognize that you're in something that, that's unusual. I've shared, I probably have shared this with you, but I guess it would be time to do it again since this is about Russia. Is 1990 flew from Moscow to uh, Helsinki in a in an Aeroflot jet, and it was in no way up to standards of the West. I probably told you that it actually showed the, the tires had white canvas showing through the rubber. That is no, no exaggeration. That is a fact. And inside, the floor covering was not glued down, and so it was slipping. This cheap plastic mats were slipping and sliding over plywood, so you could see the plywood and all that. And there are other in, other things that were weird, but they they must have upgraded considerably if it's if it's pretty much the same because it sure sure didn't used to be. They definitely have uh, the, the the 1990s were a really bad time for Aeroflot. Aeroflot went through some really really difficult times, and you were you were there in the middle of it. And uh, my uh, my folks, I remember they took a trip to Russia back in the uh, either, I think it was in the 70s, and they, they they were flying Russian aircraft at the time. And then when they were flying, uh, you know, regionally within within Russia, and they would told me how it was just ridiculous. You know, there were there were no pre-flight announcements like we get here. It was just all of a sudden everybody was in the plane, and it, it was a big jet, and then it just took off, boom, gone, not even knowing it was going to happen. You know, but. It's changed considerably since it changed even since the 1990s, where, like I said, Aeroflot has some of the newer, uh, one of the newest fleets in the in, in the world right now. So the Sukhoi jet that crashed, crash landed. You say it porpoised. What is that? What is it when something porpoises? It came down and it hit the runway and it bounced back like I'm watching a porpoise go through the water. You know how as they 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 fly up out of the water and will fly go back down in and fly up again. Did that same thing. Came down, hit the runway hard, bounced back up, hit the runway hard again, and it looks like it did it about three times. And I can't tell exactly when the uh, when the fire started. I think it was on the uh, uh, the second hit. And when it porpoises, uh, does that mean that it kind of goes nose down each time? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's what happened when I, when I'm looking at it. And I'm sorry, I just turned it on again and the sound came on. Sorry, but it came in and. Uh, and the it came in no very very fast very hot and uh and and bounced up and uh nose went up and the nose came down again and went in nose down uh and landed on the jets itself and it looks like again on that second hit that the uh the it just caught on fire but there was an this is what the interesting not interesting part is but there was an emergency that made them come around they were they had just left or on their way to Murmansk we don't know what the emergency was that made them want to come back and why it came in so hard and so fast. There was something else going on in that jet, and I'm hoping that we're going to find that out because 
in places like Russia, where they, uh, you know, where the news is is covered very well politically and is only released based on what they want to have released, I don't know if we'll get a complete safety report out of it. And I certainly hope we do. It's more controlled than it is here in the U.S. So I'm hoping we can find out what really happened. You talk about coming in hot. You know, in, even in regular flights where everything's perfectly fine, there's a pretty big difference in how hot the jets come in. What is that a, a factor of? Is that just pilot preference or whether it's a tailwind or a headwind or what? It could be a matter of winds. Crosswinds, you have to control for the crosswinds. And, so, you know, sometimes you're uh, – uh, you're giving it a little gas as, as you're going in to make sure that, you know, you're flying in the, in, in the right direction. When you have a, uh, a crosswind coming to you at you uh, from, the, uh, from, from, the, from the, the left, for example, you want to keep the, the, the left wing down and the right wing up so that that way, you know, you're not going to be bounced over by the wind coming in. And, and you may need a little more gas to fly faster to maintain the control until you're actually on the ground. This one, this was definitely not a – this was did not look like a – a controlled landing this this definitely you know we always talk about a plane crashed this looked like a crash when when, when you look at it it's uh very very frightening okay and one other thing about flying into boston when you come over you know you come in over the water it depends on the way you come in but if you come in a lot of times from europe you come in over the the ocean and you come to a seawall i don't know the name the number of the runway and, you know, you're low, and you can see on your little altimeter in the back of your seat, I don't know how accurate it is, that you're really, really low. And the plane is, I don't know what, four stories tall. And then you have the gear, which, well, I guess that's included. But I always think, gee, what if, the, what if there was just a little bit of a downwind somehow? Uh, you wouldn't have to drop very much before the gear is hitting that wall. Do you ever? I know that you don't worry about that, but it could happen, couldn't it? Sometimes... These pilots almost seem like they're really into dropping it right over that wall. Can you just kind of talk about that? Well, that's what that? happened in San Francisco. Similar kind of thing. The runway ends out over the starts out on the ocean, and uh, this was uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, can't remember the airline. It was an Asian airline coming in, and the uh, the pilots came down a bit too low, and it it hit the seawall. And then it came down, and there was uh, another situation where it came to a stop on its belly. Most of the passengers, I, in fact, I remember correctly, all the passengers got out safely. There was one fatality, but the plane got buried in foam, and the fatality was someone that got buried in the foam, and, run, and then the fire truck couldn't see him and ran over the wow. fire truck. And again, all these passengers came out with their baggage down the slides and out the doors, and just crazy. At, don't do that. I, I, I can't understand the psychology behind that. Stop and get your bag. Do people not understand that their life is in danger? No, they, I guess they don't. And they're just inconsiderate. Maybe they should include that instruction in the takeoff. You know, when they give their little speech. You know, in the unlikely event that anything happens, leave your damn baggage in the plane and run away. I think they do. Really? Uh, I, 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 if I remember correctly, and I haven't flown commercially in a little bit i know it does when you read the little card in front of you which most people don't i know it says it on there okay uh, but it's just crazy now if you have the time just got two questions one's a one's a micah personal preference question and the other is micah the the airplane geek type of question you'll see what i mean after this on wbz 
JJ, Bradley J, JJ Talking J, Jay Talking with Bradley J, WBZ News Radio 1030. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, more Lives are ruined already. You still have a chance to grow up and be somebody. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. But a night it's different world. If you're there, speak to me. Jay talking. Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. Case WBZ. We're with Airplane Geek contributor, AirplaneGeek.com podcast contributor, Micah. He's an aviation geek. And now I have some personal questions about preferences. Given that. Sometimes bad things can happen on takeoff and landing. Do you? Are you? First of all, are you a person that likes to fly with your sh- shoes off for comfort? No. In fact, uh, that's one of the things I was going to talk about, and I'm glad you brought it up. But personally, I I don't like to take them off because I like to be uh, I like to be aware of it, and I don't think it's considerate to the other passengers. People aren't necessarily always considerate, and people are flying in flip flops and in shorts and in polyester. And when I'm flying, I always make sure I'm wearing cotton or natural fibers because, God forbid, there's going to be a fire. I'd, I'd rather have it burn than have it melt onto me. And I know that sounds gross, and I'm not <laughs> trying to be gross. But there's a difference between that. I see and you've so, thought that through. Oh, yes, I have. I, I think about that regularly. I wear cotton. I wear long sleeves because I can always roll them up. And I'm wearing shoes usually with rubber soles because they're more comfortable. But if I were really smart, I'd be wearing leather soles because rubber soles can stick to the floor in the event of a really, really hot fire. Huh. Well, I, I like flying with, you know, the, the nice in stocking feet. Of course, I like to have loafers that I can just kick off only when, and they're very nice loafers. I like to dress up too. But I just wondered if you had, like to feel the, the breeze through your three or socks when you fly but i see no and and then i was going to extrapolate that to well what about on on takeoff and landing and obviously no you'll keep your shoes your shoes on for that me too next and and i'm aware during takeoff and landing i don't put on headphones i'm not watching a screen i'm aware of what's going on and i keep my eyes open i also count my exit my number of uh, of rows to the nearest exit both front and back so in case things are smoked up I can count and I know which direction I'm going in. When you book your flight, do you choose a seat near an, near an exit? I try to get an aisle seat and I try to get as much leg room as possible. I look for the seat pitch. And I don't really necessarily think about the exit. I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be close enough to it. I don't want to be in front of the exit because I can't put my seat back. Uh, but I'll be in an exit row if I can, although I might avoid that as well because sometimes the seats are a little thinner. Because there, there's not as much padding on them. Really? And it's also cold. Yeah. Okay, but the seat size, the mechanical size of the seat's the same. Yeah, typically it is. Okay. Sometimes you have a little more exit room, but the, the width of the seat should be the same. Okay. The other thing I don't do is I don't usually put my seat back. 
because I don't think it's I, I'm, first of all I'm typically I'm more comfortable but if I do put my seat back before I do I turn around I look at the passenger behind me and I say do you mind if I put my seat back because if I'm putting it back although I paid to be able to put my seat back I'm invading the passengers behind me space yeah and that's not fair that's it's true just a matter of consideration so I always ask do you mind if the person says yes then I don't. Or if the person says, no, it's fine, then I put it back slowly so that I know I'm not going to hit anybody. Yeah, when you're in an airplane, in an airplane, you kind of have to use the New York subway mentality. It's like, this is a crowded thing, and you need to have your best uh, crowd manners available. You, you, you're in close proximity to people, and you need to think of grooming, and you need to think of politeness and, and, and being quiet and all that. Finally... Airplane geek, what about snacks? You you think everything through. I bet you think your snacks through. What do you bring? Uh, I usually bring some kind of uh, uh, a peanut bar of some sort or another that uh, is going to be high energy. It's going to give me some protein and some uh, uh, and some uh, some sugar as well if I need it. Uh, sometimes, believe it or not, uh, when I when I flew to uh, to Europe, I was going to the UK. With my mom and dad, my mom packed pastrami sandwiches. The whole plane was going nuts because they could smell it and they loved it. And I think people would have paid us for them. But that's isn't that happened. isn't that actually kind of inconsiderate? Sorry, mom and dad. No, you're right. It, it, it was. My mom didn't think about it, and I don't do anything like that any longer. But I have when I had a quick change in Baltimore once. And I wanted a soft shell crab sandwich so bad, I stopped and I grabbed one and brought it onto the plane yeah. and ate it on board. Sometimes you just got to do that. I'm trying to think of the perfect plane food, uh, be, you know, a little more than a snack like a like a hearty sandwich. Anyway, thanks so much for all your information. You're always a wonderful guest, and uh, you know, if there's anything we need to know about aviation, you let me know and we'll get you on. And if there's something that I want to know, I will contact you as well. This is Micah. Maine. He's our main man, and he is a contributor to the podcast AirplaneGeeks.com. What's this uh, this most recent episode feature? You know, I haven't heard the most recent episode yet. I wasn't on this one, so okay. I haven't, haven't listened to it through. But uh, the next one will be coming out. We'll be recording it tomorrow night, and it'll be out on Wednesday. So give it a listen. All right. Happy landings. <laughs> Have a great night, Bradley. Care, thanks for having me on. Okay. Thanks for being on. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.